Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I help with the litigation as well and um, help with the lobbying efforts. But really, yeah, I see myself as as um, a voice for these places, as a storyteller. Yeah, and just as as a force helping convey to people what's what's really at stake. And what are so what? Tell us a little bit more about, um, or tell me a little bit about, more about what you're what you actually are doing. So you're you're going to the border in different places, and you're recording the process of construction, right? Mm-hmm. From what I understand, mm-hmm. uh, what what are you? Are you talking to people? What's your what's your um, mo? Yeah, so I mean, a big part of my job is coordinating this national resistance effort against border walls and militarization um, across the borderlands, especially before this year when wall construction in Arizona really picked up. Um, I was spending months out of the year in South Texas, working with communities there, um, helping them organize forums and protests and educate the public about the dangers of of wall construction. Now that DHS has broken ground in Arizona and they're, you know, they're building literally hundreds of miles of wall as we speak um, through Arizona, California, and New Mexico, the job really has one, has become one of of almost investigative journalism um, out there trying to get documentation and photos and videos of, of what's being destroyed. And, and yeah, just, just basically creating this media campaign in order to make people aware of what's happening. And, and, and that also involves coordinating folks um, in all of these different states, um, organizing big protests and demonstrations. Um, we had a massive action, a thousand people turned out um, to protest the wall being built across the San Pedro River in Cochise County. Um, and if you know Arizona, you know Cochise is one of the most conservative counties in Arizona. So we were really pleased, really excited to have a thousand uh, Cochise County residents come out to that protest. We also organized big demonstrations at Oregon Pipe um, with a large Don Autumn presence. It's really hard right now because we would be doing more of that, but we're not allowed to gather in large crowds. Um, so I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, the pandemic has really neutered our efforts to organize and fight back against wall construction even while the construction itself has been accelerating during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that form of social organization and proximity is somehow uh, wavered in all of this. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there are well over a thousand construction workers across the border living in close quarters, um, working in wall construction. These, these workers go into border communities to shop. They're often staying in hotels, um, places like Douglas and Ajo, are now exposed to a huge amount of, of, of risk of the transmission of COVID-19. Um, and there have been a lot of community residents, public health experts who have been speaking out against this. Um, we've been demanding that Trump halt wall construction and use all of these resources to fight the spread of COVID. But of course, you know, I think uh, authoritarians like Trump always use these moments of crisis to advance their own wish lists and their own darkest agendas. Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now with wall construction, with handouts to the oil and gas industry, um, with the suspension of um, environmental regulations. A lot is being pushed through while we're all locked in our living rooms. Yeah, I get that sense too. Certainly just, just reading headlines and talking to people. Mm-hmm. So could you take us on a little uh you know, walk along the border and, and sort of talk about um, the different places that are being affected by construction right now. You said, so there are a thousand or more workers in different places on the border and they're actively mm-hmm. uh, putting up these, uh, uh, in some places, these, what, 30 feet tall uh, bollard fences yep. that are pretty incredible to see. That's the design across the board. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you describe that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically it's this, it's this, Trump's very proud to call it American-made steel. 
six inch by six, six inch in diameter bollards um, that are welded together. Depending on the contractor, there might be a two, three or four inch gap in between these bollards. And that's, that's the tiny gap that, that wildlife can slip through. So in terms of wildlife migration, um, these walls will stop the migration of all animals larger than, than a pocket mouse or maybe a small jackrabbit. We've made repeated pleas to Border Patrol asking them to uh, widen the distance between these bollards. Because, you know, a human can't pass through a, a five or even six inch gap, um, but they have completely refused. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like I mentioned, um, construction's really been accelerating since the uh, pandemic struck. Um, in the last month, the Trump administration's announced almost 200 miles of new wall construction. And and essentially what we're seeing now is, is if Trump gets his way by Election Day, there will be a solid wall from San Diego all the way to El Paso, save a couple really erosive uh, volcanic areas in Cabeza Prieta. I think at some point in the last year, Trump realized that if he doesn't pull out all the stops and make sure this wall is built, um, he won't be able to say he delivered on his biggest election promise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's the, the borderlands as a whole are, are all under threat, all under attack. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, in Arizona, the areas that we're the most concerned about um, are Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument, um, the Cabeza Prieta Wildlife Refuge, um, and the San Bernardino National Wildlife Refuge, um, which is this mm-hmm. incredible place um, in the eastern Arizona borderlands. Um, there are eight endangered species, four of which which are, are freshwater fish that don't live anywhere else in the country. There's also Chiricahua leopard, leopard frogs there, which are protected by the Endangered Species Act. And all of these species congregate around this really small amount of natural fresh water. Um, there's these incredible cienegas, um, these little pools of clear flowing blue water that provide habitat for these species. Um, and right now, Border Patrol is sucking up, um, by some accounts, as much as 700,000 gallons of groundwater every day from a well just outside of this wildlife refuge. Um, so we are deeply, deeply concerned that these aquatic habitats could uh, be wiped off the face of the map. Um, and along with them, we would lose uh, at least four endemic species of fish that don't live anywhere else in the country. It's an interesting thing that, you know, in, in, in the areas that these these um, massive pieces of infrastructure are going up happen to be some of the most biodiverse uh, parts of the Southwest and Northern Mexico, mm-hmm. especially the area that you're talking about around, you know, Southeastern Arizona, mm-hmm. all those kind of corridors that link um, you know, the continental divide, basically, that link, you know, the Rockies with the Sierra yeah. Madre Occidental in Mexico, you know, that's, it's, it's an astonishing sort of truncation of, of that, you know, wildlife and human, of course, um, in some ways, but of that movement across these, um, what are, what are really regions? It is, yeah. You know, actually connected regions. And particularly there in, in Southeast Arizona um, and, and New Mexico, I mean, it's this collision of worlds. Um, you have mountain ranges where jaguars and black bears roam on the same slopes. Um, all of these, this incredible biodiversity is, is because you have these tropical influences creeping up from the Sierra Madre. Um, incredible plant diversity. Um, and, and this is also the area where the crucial corridors um, for jaguars are. Um, the breeding population of jaguars is about 150 miles south of the border in Sonora. And individual cats have been coming up into Arizona, into New Mexico, um, through these mountainous corridors that are now slated for wall construction. Um, so if these walls are built, um, that will be the end of jaguar recovery 
in the United States. Incredible. Wow. You know, I've noticed that, so I traipsed around different parts of the border um, in the San Pedro riparian corridor area and, and around that space. I've noticed that, you know, previous wall construction includes these kind of retractable gates that allow floodwaters and wildlife to pass through. And that was, you know, I think stuff that was probably built during the first big push under the Bush, I think in the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. To me, those look like they were at their, you know, in a way, a kind of a nod toward or some small concessions made to, to some of the concerns that you're talking about. Is that happening anywhere in any of this, in this current push to, to build in, uh, fences and walls? You know, despite the repeated pleas from conservationists, from border ranchers, from borderlands residents, uh, the Trump administration has been unwilling to make a single concession or a single deviation in the path of, of the wall. Amazing. Some of those gates that you talk about, um, you know, my understanding is that those are built by necessity. If those weren't there and the monsoonal rains came, um, that would actually push the entire wall over, which has happened a couple oh, of different I times. I could see that. Yeah. So... You know, the Trump administration is installing these, these, these floodgates and arroyos and drainages. I don't think they understand <laughs> what it really looks like when it monsoons here. Because some of these gates are, are these tiny little openings in pretty big arroyos that, that get massive seasonal floods. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get two inches of rain in one day here in the monsoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's, that's the majority of our annual rainfall all comes in a couple days Right. And I, I fully expect that we will see chunks of Trump's wall coming down this summer when the monsoons come. Because of that, for that very reason. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I did definitely notice that the, you know, if you had some debris that were to get lodged mm-hmm. in front of those openings, which surely would happen, it wouldn't take much to clog them up, you know, and then you'd have a major kind of flood on the other side of the, um, either side of the, of the wall. Of course, yeah. And I mean, that just gets at the absurdity of, of, of this structure. I'm trying to build this massive landscape scale linear wall um, across the thousands of arroyos and washes in our state. Um, it's as absurd as it sounds. Um, and, and the wall itself uh, defies the landscape. Um, so I think, you know, we can only ex- expect that um, nature bats last. And I think a lot of this wall will come tumbling down. You know, I often think about what's it going to look like in 10 and 15 years when the political will to maintain these structures has diminished. Um, are we going to see chunks of these walls toppling over um, into Mexico, into the United States? Um, I'm so curious um, because there's a massive amount of money that we're going to have to spend maintaining this structure. Um, and I, I just don't see how after Trump is gone, there's going to be the will to maintain uh, this really vile legacy <laughs> that he's left uh, his mark through the borderlands. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think that the other side of it, or part of it, as you noted earlier too, is that you know this is a wave or a trajectory that this country has been on for some time mm-hmm. too. You know this kind of like extreme militariza- militarization of the border. I mean, it, definitely since the early 1990s, mm-hmm. and um, you know policies to push people into the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Um, deterrence or prevention through deterrence, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that whole policy that we seem to be so enamored of and. And really, I mean, it's like, as you said, too, it's it's really there just for administrations and politicians to be able to point to, to the fact that they're doing something mm-hmm. and that, that that wall comes to embody or to symbolize everything that everything that they hope to do, which is to say, you all are shut out. <laughs> this is on the other side of this wall is not who we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, well, it's just, it's, you're the other. Yeah, it's, it's this 
beautifully simple tool that politicians can use to illustrate their entire worldview. Three words, mm -hmm. build the wall. That encapsulates Trump's entire foreign policy uh, platform. And I think it's just so appealing to most Americans to take this really complicated and nuanced idea, this region that is, is so full of, of different stories and different realities, simplify it into a three-word equation <laughs> and then sell that. Um, and, and what Trump has done is he's, he's sold off the borderlands like so many other politicians have done um, in order to win elections. Um, and I think we need to focus on reclaiming that narrative. And, and as hard as it is to <laughs> infusing this discussion with the nuance that it deserves. Yeah, right. I know that's the thing too. It's like you're up against the, the forces of kind of um, essentialization, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you can just point to this um, to this this object that's supposed to supposed to be out there and just say, okay, you know, it's taken care of. Mm -hmm. When on you know different sides of this I, this argument, then we have the problem of like you're saying, taking all this information, all the subtleties, and trying to um, you know educate people about the way this region has in, in effect become kind of uh, sacrificial, mm -hmm. you know, um, in the eyes of, or in the broader processes of American politics. Yep. And that's it's hard to synthesize so into talking points. So hard to synthesize into talking points. I mean, I, you know, I mean, my, I have, I have friends and relatives from, you know, that I've known for years who are all in favor of, um, of fortification of the border, thinking that this is going to, uh, is going to do the trick. I mean, I grew up in, in, um, San Diego County, basically right on the border mm -hmm. in the midst of really tense border dynamics and in the midst of some very strident racist arguments about, you know, about the border. And that's kind of what I knew as a kid, you know, that's what I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until I came to Arizona, you know, my, my sort of trajectory changed a little bit that I started to become more, much more aware of, um, of what's happening. So I'm just thinking like how hard I can just, I understand how difficult it is to get this message out and to have it actually um, gain some traction when you're up against some very well-moneyed <laughs> mm -hmm. opponents, you know, who want to see this to see this all go through. Mm -hmm. But it's it, uh, I don't know. I was I was also kind of wondering though, in the uh, you know, as we're talking about all of this, what are the so we have we have Southern Arizona and we've got New Mexico. What are, you know, are they actually planning to take this all the way through, uh, say, Big Bend and, you know, places like that? Or what's the, yeah, you know, just like you said. So, yeah, go ahead. you know, as, as far as we understand right now, we've heard uh, no proposals to wall off Big Bend um, or, or anywhere in the Big Bend Border Patrol sector, which would mm -hmm. just be absurd. You know, they, they have about 300 apprehensions annually in that entire region there. Um, so it would just make no tactical sense, even from their own metrics. But we are uh, expecting to see all of South Texas's Rio Grande Valley walled off, um, basically from the Gulf of Mexico to 150 miles inland, mm -hmm. about uh, 55 miles around uh, the, the border city of Laredo. And then all of the New Mexico boot heel, um, which is pristine, incredible wilderness land, these wonderful grasslands uh, full of antelope. Um, there's actually uh, a native herd of bison in that area that still crosses the border from time to time. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're called the Hanos bison. Really incredible. I believe they are mostly genetically pure. And then a couple other areas in Texas. Um, now, of course, this is a really ambitious goal that the Trump administration has set. But when you realize that, that none of the normal laws apply, 
um, that they have the power to grant these multi-billion dollar contracts with no oversight and no congressional review, and that they have a potentially infinite <laughs> workforce of construction workers, um, a lot of which actually come up from Mexico to help build the wall. Um, this this pie-in-the-sky idea all of a sudden becomes a, a terrifying uh, prospect that could actually happen this year. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we're doing everything we can to stop this project, and, and that includes continuing our legal battles that will include massive in-person demonstrations. But we're trying to stop the most powerful man in the world's number one priority. Um, we're, we're up against a lot here. No doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the vision, the groundwork for this vision, you know, has been laid in place for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's an easy thing for somebody in the in the political the political world to pick that up and just run with it and say, well, okay, so we have you know what six hundred miles of border yeah. fence and wall, and you know we're gonna go we're gonna shoot for the other what, what is it fourteen hundred or something yeah. like that? Yeah, <laughs> just it's just a, it's absurd. The whole thing is so absurd. It truly is. I mean, I would I would kill to be a fly on the wall in one of the presidential briefings about <laughs> the border wall and what areas they're building in. Um, and just, you know, the way that they have to simplify this issue um, in order mm-hmm. to fit it into a briefing, it just does such a massive disservice to this incredible region that, that you and I love so much. Do you have people in the political sphere coming to you? I mean, I'm, I would imagine people from uh, Raul uh, Grijalva's mm-hmm. office and and other areas like that are they are they talking to you and asking you for information or yeah. what's the relationship there? yeah you know we have a really close relationship with uh most border members of congress you know we we, we uh consistently feed them information i've taken a number of their staff on border tours which is the single best thing i can do because um, these landscapes speak for themselves right if you immerse a staffer in the beauty of coronado national memorial or the san pedro river um, they're going to be compelled to fight for that place for decades to come. Mm-hmm. So lots of personal site visits. Um, we've helped them organize uh, hearings and briefings. And of course, we've, we've helped them work on uh, legislation um, and letters, uh, most specifically or most recently a, a letter calling for a halt of all wall construction um, until the pandemic subsides. Um, so we have some mm-hmm. incredible congressional leadership here in Southern Arizona Um Obviously, it's it's not enough to stop projects like these. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue fighting in that arena as well. Yeah, it's a, it's it's uh, it's important nonetheless. I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's it's not enough to stop the the incredible momentum they have. Mm-hmm. But um, it, like you said earlier as well, it, we do have to. It seems so important to be bearing witness to this mm-hmm. moment, to what's happening in this time. And yeah, I was I was actually go ahead. I was just gonna say I mean, more to we're add. we're creating the historical record right now. Like we, everything we do now is creating the record that people will look back on in order to justify tearing these walls down. Um, so I think the work is so yeah, important. Yeah, right. It's a little bit like dam breaching. You know, this mm-hmm. idea that that for so long was the dominant paradigm, and in many in many countries and places, it still mm-hmm. is. Probably in many ways in this country as well. Um, but but I think we've got we've arrived at a point in which. It's not so absurd to thinking about taking down a dam. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's amazing. That's a big turn of consciousness. Uh-huh. And I mean, that is marked by that. one of the most inspiring things as we've watched these, these massive dams come tumbling down is just how fast the rivers regenerate, just how fast these ecosystems return to some semblance of a natural balance. Um, I, I can only hope the same will occur here in the borderlands when we tear the wall down. 
Yeah, here, here. So um, as we're kind of, I think we're probably pretty close to um, ending here, but I was going to ask you, um, do you have, are the, how can people get involved, get behind efforts like the centers and others? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if folks want to follow along with my work, um, I do a lot of, of media work, um, a lot of reporting from these areas. Um, they can follow me on Twitter, which I post on basically every day. Um, we also post opportunities to take action, to weigh in um, on these projects. I'll post that on my Twitter. Um, and if folks want to read more about the Center's campaign, um, our webpage is just nowall.org. Um, and that's got a lot more information on how people can get involved um, and help contribute to this fight. Um, and is there anything you want to add to the conversation here? Anything I've kind of you would like like to talk about that I haven't asked you about? Um, I mean, this is such an interesting topic. God, I mean, we could we could riff for hours, <laughs> but um, I think we've I think we've covered a lot of what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and just I guess I just want to reiterate the importance of of not turning away from this. I know this is a really difficult issue uh, to look at. It's it's heartbreaking. It's painful to see um, what's happening on the border, both both with people, with migrants, and with the destruction of these environments. But we have to keep spotlighting these issues um otherwise we're not going to be able to 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 uh you know brush them in the dustbin of history um i I just i implore everyone to um just continue this 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 difficult job of bearing witness and i hope we can all celebrate soon um as we get to work turning the walls down well lakin it's been such a pleasure to talk to you yeah no it's been so great to reconnect and really excited to collaborate in the future with you jeff Since we recorded this interview, Mr. Jordahl has confirmed with us that there are actually 4,000 contractors working on the wall and not just 1,000, as he had originally said. This information comes from the United States Army.